This is the Community Connection, a podcast from Community Baptist Church in South Bend, Indiana. The purpose of this podcast is to better equip our church family to do the ministry of the gospel where God has planted us. Ben, I did not know that um, you've had a book written about you. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm reading. I mean, I'm looking at this and it has your picture on it and it's a book. It's in the reading track. It says, know the heretics. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> I mean, I did. I had no idea. Well, once I grow out of heresy, then I'll be able to be a senior pastor one day. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that what it is? That's what it is. Everybody who's still engrossed and engulfed in the, the heretical beliefs that drag them down gets to be an associate pastor. <laughs> and then once you atta- attain higher ground, <laughs> That's when you get to be a senior pastor. <laughs> okay, touche. Let's move on. Uh, we are talking about our reading tracks, and uh, we are talking about one of the reading tracks that you get most excited about from what I've seen. <laughs> and probably the majority of our congregation gets least excited well, about. Well, actually, can I, <laughs> can I confess my sins here on the podcast? Please, Ben. Yes. I'll provide absolution. Okay. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> That's heresy. <laughs> See, I knew you were in this That's book. why we need this track. Go ahead. Um, I've taken classes on church history. I have um, not read a lot of church history, but I've taken... I, that, I actually should just put a period at the end of that statement. <laughs> I've taken classes on church history, period. Um and before meeting you, I did not have a love for church history. And so that's my That's your sin that confession. you're confessing. <laughs> <laughs> like like I've, you I've have felt bad helped. before, but I really feel bad now. <laughs> <laughs> like I uh you've actually helped me rekindle a a desire for understanding and valuing church history. And so, you know, that's 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 good. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, and I'm excited about this. And so, um, you know, I thought if we're going to do a podcast on church history, why not have Ben on the podcast? <laughs> and <laughs> thanks for allowing me to be on this episode, Joe. It's yeah. really a, a, a delight, a and, delight to be here with you today. And so, this is the Foundations Reading Track number four. Yes, and um, three books. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them are rather short. One of them a little bit thicker, but full, if I remember right, full of illustrations. Probably the most uh, uh, visually attractive and um, and ex- visually exciting books that we have in the reading tracks, period. Would yeah, you agree, I would agree with that? I would agree for sure. Yeah. Lots of pictures, colors, illustrations. It really is going to help, and that's called Christian History Made Easy. Why don't you walk us through the uh, reading tracks and tell us why in the world you would have a book called Know the Heretics. Yeah. And secondly, why in the world we would want our church family to be reading a book called Know the Creeds and Councils, because that sounds like it doesn't really have anything to do with me. Sure. Although it does. Yeah. So why don't you walk us through the thought process that we've identified on these and uh, and why I should care about church history. Let's start there. Why should I care about church history? That's a great question. Um, the, it was a great question. It, <laughs> so let's see if it has a great answer. It, the funny thing is, is people think that that's a separate question, but really it's the same question in a slightly different outfit as the question, why should I read another book besides the Bible? There you go. That's good. And the, the, the answer to that question is um, that 
God in his sovereign grace has called people to himself for his own glory in Christ, by faith in Christ. When that happens, according to the book of Ephesians 1 and 2, he takes those people who've been called by his grace and he puts them together in local bodies that are localized expressions of what is called the universal body of Christ. And Mm -hmm. you've used this term before and you've explained it to our church, that of the universal church. Mm -hmm. And the term means that um, God's people at all times and all places, and that is the full expression of the kingdom of God. Not everybody has been brought into that kingdom yet, but the universal body of Christ is what will live forever in glory with God in heaven or on the new heavens and the new earth. But God in the meanwhile has subdivided that universal body into localized expressions. Mm -hmm. And within those local expressions of Christ's body, you have a distribution of spiritual gifts that are given to each member of -hmm. that body for the good of every other member. Hmm. Now, when we read books other than the Bible, we are allowing the the spiritual gifts of the universal body of Christ to bless us in the same way that when we gather on Sundays regularly in our corporate worship gatherings, we hopefully are allowing everybody to express their spiritual gifts for our, our spiritual good. When I read a book that is on how to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, let's say, you know, so some Christ, current contemporary Christian author has written a book designed to help me love God in a greater, deeper way in this particular area of my life. I shouldn't say, well, they're not part of my church, so I can't read this book. Hmm. Rather, I should say, this is a brother in Christ that God has joined to another local body somewhere, Lord willing, and I'm allowing God to use their spiritual gifts to help me in my personal walk with Christ. It's the exact same thing that happens in church history, except instead of allowing spiritual gifts across space to influence me, I'm allowing spiritual gifts across time to have an impact on my life. Gotcha. That makes, you know, it's interesting because when you're saying this, as I'm indexing in my mind, what I, if somebody were to ask me, why should I care about church history? I would say it's the same reason why you should care about your family tree. Like, why does it fascinate people that I'm related to so-and-so who did this in history? And what we're looking at with church history is we're seeing brothers and sisters in Christ, something that we share an identity, people that we share an identity with. Yeah. Yeah who are are part of our family who can benefit us exactly what you're saying by their shared insights because they share something in common with us and that is the presence of the holy spirit new life through christ living out their sanctification and let me take that even one step further it's fascinating to go back in your family tree and see oh wow i was related to this person or i come from this particular lineage background tradition ethnicity so on and so forth what's even more powerful is to discover from three, four, five generations ago a letter that was written to future generations by your predecessor hmm. saying, to my future family members, I want you to know this. This is what I've learned. Hmm. And when we read church history and we study church history, we're not merely examining the family tree to see where we've come from, but we're actually allowing the family tree to speak to us. And that's an unbelievable privilege to be able to be in conversation with the wisdom across ages. One of the great um, benefits, especially of church history as opposed to contemporary culture, is that very often, not all the time, not perfectly, but very often when we go back into history to allow history to speak to us, we're allowing the best of hindsight being 2020 to speak to us in our contemporary culture. It's very difficult for us to have the objectivity to discern what in our contemporary culture of all the myriad voices around us, Mm -hmm. 
which ones are telling us things that will stand the test of time, mm. which ones will be the lasting things. Mm. One of the great benefits of church history is that even though it tends to be more difficult reading, we can usually spot very quickly where the wisdom lies and what yeah. are the timeless truths through that. I would also, um, let, let, I'll say one more thing and then we'll jump into the actual books on the reading track. Another thing that church history does is not only identifies for us the lasting wisdom and the lasting truth that pierces through every generation, it also reminds us that there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. And that's why this little book, and I don't want to transition too fast, maybe this is a good transition, the Know the Heretics book is so good because what it identifies for you when you look at it, you go, wait a minute, that sounds a lot like what this person is saying today. Mm-hmm. And that's that exactly sounds right. a lot like what, in fact, you and I were just talking about a, um, a current um, um, philosophical uh, approach to life, which is getting a lot of traction today that is starting to impact the church in stoicism mm-hmm. and, and these new faces that a lot of uh, uh, maybe uh, young, specifically young men who lack discernment would say, Oh, this, I could combine this with my Christian life. This is, this is almost Christian and I can, I can combine this in. This is new. This is good. This can give me purpose. Mm-hmm. And you say, Whoa, 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 that this is not new. This is something that has been around and was very popular when Paul was writing and and in the New Testament is actually dealt with. And if you read with an eye and a heart towards discernment and you know the failures of the past, we won't repeat them. That's exactly right. And actually something I was going to mention that goes right along with that is C.S. Lewis, uh, author of Mere Christianity, which is on uh, reading track number five, mm-hmm. um, but uh, also the author of Chronicles of Narnia well, and, a, and a Christian. Teaser, teaser for the next podcast. Right, exactly. Um, C.S. Lewis made the comment that <laughs> he recommended it as a personal practice that you should never allow yourself to read a modern book without reading an old book in between and maybe even two. And the reason he said for that is because of what you just said, that even though uh, the people who came long before us, hundreds and thousands of years before us, they made mistakes, but not the same mistakes. And so Lewis said, it's wise and healthful for us Mm. to allow the clean sea breeze of the old books to flow through the sails of our minds Mm. is the way he put it, you know, in his, Mm. his excellent prose, you know, so, so good. And like that, that phrase sticks in my brain quite often to realize that if I give myself to studying um, church history, not in, you know, competition with my study of scripture, but as a person who wants wise gifted teachers to speak into my life, if I give myself to studying those writings that have stood the test of time, I stand a great chance by God's grace of avoiding many of the mistakes of our culture and of past generations. Okay, let's jump into the reading tracks. That was a, that was a really good introduction. I love this topic. And I, I love. Yeah, I, I, I can tell. I think there's more value here than we often give credit for. Even if we disagree with a lot of people we read. Your love for this topic has really bled over to me, much like my love for fountain pens has bled over to you. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, they're about equal. So let's uh, let's begin with the uh, first book. What, yeah. what, okay, Ben, I want, I'm interested in the church uh, history reading track, or I've read the first three tracks. I'm on to track number four. I'm uh, jumping into church history, and I pick up the first book, Christian History Made Easy. Go. Christian History Made Easy is the most accessible yet accurate, thorough yet applicational treatment of church history I have found to date. It is, um, it's, it's easy to read, lots of pictures. There 
um, it, it does an excellent job of taking the incidents of church history and um, helping you see the issues underneath them and how those issues continue to crop up both in my daily Christian life as well as in broader movements in Christianity that I see across the country, the world, the culture, so on and so forth. It is a little bit of a longer book, but again, the, the way we, we read anything, big or small, is the same. I read a small book the way I read a big book. I read it systematically. I read it regularly. And if you do that, you'll be able to finish this in a much shorter amount of time than you might think when you first pick it up. So I think that you can uh, kind of get through Christian History Made Easy in about three months, reading a Mm -hmm. chapter a week. You can get through it in two or three months. And the chapters only take 15 to 20 minutes to read from front to back. It's not that hard. And there's wonderful, wonderful additional resources. They break up the key terms and phrases. They pull out the key concepts and the little extra blurbs and stuff give you a really balanced, excellent overview of from the time of the apostles up until uh, the mid to later 1900s. Well, let me, let me just offer some pastoral wisdom here in this book is that this book is not going to be a I don't believe it's going to be a struggle for a lot of people. There are little sections all the way throughout, kind of like when you would read a uh, maybe a, a journal article or something, and they have yeah. a blown up statement. Yeah, same thing. But like for instance, when they're talking, when we're talking about uh, Luther and Zwingli and Calvin in the fifteen and sixteen early sixteen hundreds, there's a little balloon here, and it says, "Think about it. Do you resent someone who has wronged you? How could Calvin's example, when he returned to Geneva, inspire you to forgive your enemy?" Right. And so over and over again, you have these moments where it's like, hey, let's let's pause, let's think about this. This isn't just data of something that happened. Right. It, in that way, it transcends what we think of in like a typical textbook exactly. or something like that. It makes pastoral applications along the way. I love the fact that within the chapters, which are already not too long, there are bite-sized chunks under mm-hmm. big headings. Yes. And um, Holly and I love books like that because those are the kinds of books we can actually read together are books that have bite-sized chunks like that. So when we're having our uh, family devotions together, the two of us, a lot of times we'll conclude by reading a short section from a Christian book. And this is the kind of book that easily dovetails into that. You and your wife or uh, you and your husband, whoever's listening, you could read a little section of this book each night before you go to bed in the three minutes, but it takes you to fall asleep at night. You know, like it's it's small little bite-sized chunks. And like you said, really helpful applications. That I recommend to be the first book you read because it gives you the best broad overview. And then I think it's worth going back and reading these two books, Know the Heretics and Know the Creeds and Councils. And the reason for that is because the first five to 800 years of church history ended up being so doctrinally foundational to um, a true, proper, orthodox understanding of the Bible that it's worth a slightly more detailed study. So what you get in overview here, it'll help ground you in these two smaller books. Mm -hmm. And you hinted at really kind of one of the chief reasons that it's good to go back and be familiar with these um, is because of the fact that there is nothing new under the sun. Almost every single, in fact, in our reading track brochure, I encourage you to do this with the, the heretics especially, but for each heresy, you can almost always find a modern day parallel to the heresy that's mentioned here. Yes, and this is one of those examples where um, in church history, we can learn the issue, the people surrounding it. Um, the symptoms of the problem, what the issue of the problem itself was, and how the church succinctly dealt with the problem. And that gives us a lot of wisdom for how we do it in our own day. So let me tell you two reasons why I think even if um, 
even if this isn't a strong point for someone, even if they read through the reading track and they go, man, that I, I, I'm glad I read that, but it, it wasn't like my, it wasn't where I was, um, sound, my heart was just sounding off like, like sure, the gospel, sure. right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So track one. These two books, know the creeds, know the creeds, Council, know the heretics are so important to have on your bookshelf because you're going to be somewhere sometime and somebody's going to say on the council of blah, 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 the church decided. And it may be someone who is from an Orthodox Christian background. It may be someone who's trying to proselytize you from a false cult. And they may say, well, did you know that in the council of blah, 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 or, or, or something of that nature. And you go, man, that just sounds so unreachable. Actually, it's not because you go to know the creeds of councils, you open it up and you say, okay, what exactly happened to the council of Nicaea? What is the Nicene creed? What exactly happened with the Athanasian creed? Why is that so important to our faith, you know, things of that nature where you look at it and you say, these are um, exactly what this is exactly what I need in order to keep my shelf because I'm not going to have everything memorized. I do this. Right. I still go back and I go, man, what was that again? I I'm, I have a hard time remembering exactly what happened in these areas. Sure. Pull it off, do a quick refresher and go, oh, yeah, that's what happened. These are great reference books for that. These, as you said before, these are long-term investments. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the long-term fruits from this investment is that this helps to ground you theologically yep. and uh, in your in your understanding of Scripture because it mm-hmm. grounds you in actually the fundamentals of the faith and what the yeah. fundamental issues are within That's the right. faith. And so for that reason, I think that going through these, giving these a little bit more time and study, and I think that you'll find, especially with the creeds and catechisms, if heretics know the heretics helps you know what errors to avoid and what the true answers are from scripture, mm-hmm. know the creeds and councils gives you some of the church's best, most succinct yet pastoral and devotional statements of what the scriptures teach in summary. Yep. Um, which is uh, an unbelievable devotional help. So let me give you the two best, and I'm going to piggyback a little on what I just said, because I, I realized this is probably summarizes my take on know the creeds and councils, know the heretics. Every once in a while, I'll be reading something, or I'll be listening to someone speak, or I'll be talking to somebody, and there'll be this thing in the back of my mind that says, okay, I know that's not right, but I'm not quite sure why. Or I know that's dealt with. In, in a certain area. And, and it's often, if we're dealing with a current cult or, or, or an errant view of, of Christianity, the Know the Heretics, it, it was a statement or something in a chapter, and you can look at the table of contents, figure out where it was normally. Mm-hmm. And I can go back to that and I say, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's why these things are so important. It's not as though you're going you're gonna to become a, a church historian overnight. It's not as though by reading these books that people are going to say, oh, I'm going to become an expert on church history. The reason why people need to read this is because down the road, they're going to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know that that's not right. Or I know that this is right. And I can't remember exactly where it is, but I know where to look. Mm -hmm. And I can go back in here and I can look at these biblical principles. I can look at church history. I can look at these belief systems and how they got it wrong, how they've been proved wrong, or how they got it right, how they've been proved right. And I can go back to here as a resource and strengthen my faith in this way. Absolutely. And so I think these are uh, great resources. Reading track number four. Um, the Let's see here. We haven't talked about incentives much. We haven't. No, no. After you complete this reading track, you should read a copy. You should receive a copy of The Theologians Everyone Should Know. Also an excellent book. Yeah. To where, uh, to where when people throw out names, you can have an idea about who they're talking about and why they're important. Read these three books, and uh, and you, you get, get a free an, book along get a with free it. Free book afterwards that'll be a wonderful resource for you as well.
Church History. I'm excited about this track. 